Good to be with you. Thank you for joining us for worship on this Memorial Day weekend as we open God's word to a very enriching and encouraging passage in Isaiah chapter 40. I do want to mention on this Memorial Day weekend, I recognize that all sacrificed some, some sacrificed all, and our gratitude goes out to all who serve, but especially this weekend, we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. So now let us hear the word of God in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. And here I'm reading from the New International Version. I invite you to follow along with me with your Bibles where you are. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of God. I invite you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do look to you for a strength that is beyond our own Thank you that you do see our situation and we do come to you in faith and pray, Lord, that you would minister to us by your word and your spirit. Lead us into all truth. Raise us up as on eagle's wings that we might rise to new heights in faith and devotion to you. May our lives bear good fruit for your kingdom purposes. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God, the true God of heaven, is so beyond the lesser loves we devote ourselves to. And Isaiah has warned us against the worship of idols. And this is perhaps a greater concern for us today than for Isaiah's audience at the time he wrote. We don't have statues or lucky charms, but anyone with a belly button 
is literally an idle factory. There is something in our human nature that over-attaches to what we admire or imagine to be ideal. A.W. Tozer said it well. He says, let us beware lest we in our pride accept the erroneous notion that idolatry consists only in kneeling before visible objects of adoration and that civilized people are therefore free from it. The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. Now that's a thought to think about for the rest of your day and every day of this week. The essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. Now, understand God can handle our honest thoughts. And as the effects of this pandemic take a toll on us, one might wonder if God cares, if God is there at all, if God is able to do anything about all this. But if we bring our honest doubts to God, he hears us, and can lead us into his truth. So we can trust in his love, power, and presence with us, even through wrenching times. You know, it's when we're stunned by life circumstances, perplexed, disillusioned even, but just press on without bringing such doubts to God in prayer, that we risk giving such doubts a foothold be it ever so subtle, that turns our affections to other things instead of God. And in this rather passive way, we may give birth to an idol as we put our trust, our real trust, in something less. Isaiah very wisely confronts us with just how awesome is the God we serve who loves us with an everlasting love. Look at verse 25. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. I mean, we need a God who is not like us. His greatness is truly beyond our comprehension. But even more distinctive than his greatness is his holiness. And no comparison. The creator of all things is not some neutral force, but is the Holy One. There is a moral purity in his nature. Verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. I think of Abraham Lincoln, who once said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist. But I cannot conceive how a man could look up into the heavens and say, there is no God. I mean, Isaiah's reference to the stars is strategic. You know, the Babylonians were astrologers. And he uses what is popular in that culture to show that these same stars that they so venerate actually display the glory of the God who created them. And though they seek insight into their destiny, 
through their astrological studies of the constellations, Isaiah shows that it is God who is sovereign over all the heavens and the earth. Now, we today have the Hubble telescope and recognize that our solar system with our closest star, we call the sun, is a tiny outlier among the 100 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way is just one among hundreds of billions of galaxies in God's universe. In 2021, NASA plans to launch the Webb Telescope, whose infrared images will be able to reveal stars undetectable by Hubble's design. But each new discovery just confirms to me what a mighty God we serve. Now, I have no interest in space travel personally, but I am intrigued with the pictures sent back by these satellites. But here is the incredibly mind-boggling truth we all need to comprehend. This eternal creator of every star, of every galaxy in this vast universe, who knows each one by name, our God, whose power is able to sustain the orbit and trajectory of every galaxy, every solar system, every planet around every star, so that not one is missing. This all-powerful God is committed to be with each one of us, who are like bits of dust on this obscure planet in the boondocks of the universe. He knows you. And he loves you anyway. He knows what you're going through. And he is with you. God says in Isaiah 57, 15, I dwell in a high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly. And to revive the heart of the contrite. See, our high and holy God is not aloof, but has come to us because he loves us. He loves you. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. Now, Isaiah is speaking to people, perhaps like many today, who, who know about God who could recite all the Sunday school answers about faith and trust and God's powerful presence with us. It's just that life is complicated and things are not working out like they'd hoped and they have become disillusioned. They may not have given up believing in God, just believing God can make a difference in what I'm facing right now. God here addresses his doubting people as Jacob, Israel. I believe to remind them that their crisis of faith is not the first time God's people have been plagued with doubt. You remember the patriarch Jacob wrestled with God long through the night. He was desperate for God's blessing. And God did bless him. God always blesses those who are desperate enough to wrestle with him. You know, to note the significance of that experience, 
That marked a new beginning in Jacob's life. And God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Genesis 32 says, For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And so he calls his people then, and he calls you and me today, to take a firmer grasp of our God of hope in this present crisis we face. Knowing Christ's resurrection victory, even with a little faith, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We live in a big world with big problems right now. But we tend to see the problems we face personally as towering over all the rest. You know, we're all concerned with record high unemployment. But when I lose my job, when it's my business that's about to fold, I mean, that's what's front and center. And I think we all understand that. Whatever it is that's keeping you up at night, that has robbed you of joy, of hope, of peace, God is there with you. As huge, as insurmountable as that may be, God gives us this astronomy lesson to show us we are smaller than we think in this great big world. That is even smaller in this vast universe. But we need to get a clue just how vast the universe is so we can recognize our God is greater still. It is that almighty creator who comes to us, is with us, who hears our prayers, who knows every tear we've ever shed and loves us with a genuine everlasting love that we simply can't turn off. Here's the truth. God is not so great that he can't be bothered with us. Rather, the truth is God is too great to overlook us. And that's what Isaiah is saying to us here in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. The everlasting God is not at all like a created idol. God, who has existed from eternity is beyond resilient, is the one steady certainty far above and beyond anything you may find in this wide world. He does not run down or run out. There's nowhere in this world or even in this universe he has created where he is not. Now, I know some people feel uneasy about God being everywhere, that anywhere we go, he sees, he knows, he's present. Now, if that makes you uneasy, it suggests to me you have, to, you have yet to surrender your heart and life to him fully. You can trust him. He gives good gifts to his children. His presence is reassuring to those who love him. He understands all things. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 11.33, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unfathomable are his ways. Ray Ortland says, we don't figure God out with our brains. We submit to him by faith. Verse 29. 
He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, the words faint, weary, exhausted are repeated seven times in these three verses. They are the focal point of this passage. God is addressing his weary, tired, discouraged people. You know, life is hard, and this time of sequestering has taken a real toll in more ways than one. And it's understandable that we focus on our circumstances. But there's a difference between being responsibly informed and becoming obsessed with every last detail. I guess worry can take many forms. And maybe, like me, your head is full of contradicting, ever-changing, anxiety-raising, conflict-causing information and misinformation. Honestly, the isolation, the confinement, the messes, the unknowns. There's a thing called uncertainty fatigue. I, mean, I think we've all had our fill of hearing, I don't know, nobody knows. It all adds up to a whole lot of tired. But God, our God, who never grows weary, understands. He knows how we're affected by all this. And he has a remedy for us. He sees what all this is doing to us. You know, even the brightest and best among us, the strapping young bucks, will also be overwhelmed after a while. But, Verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I know, wait is a four-letter word. We don't like to wait. But this is a life-giving opportunity if we have hearts of faith to receive it. You know, this word's translated Wait, in the English Standard Version, is also translated in the NIV and elsewhere as hope, those who hope in the Lord. Now, the Hebrew term contains both ideas, to wait patiently and rest trustfully. And you can see how both wait and hope work together here, with the idea of rest trustfully, describing what this really looks like in real life. Now, it's one thing to define wait and hope. But seriously, how can one wait patiently on the Lord? I believe it's those who are fully confident in God's power and ability to do as he's promised. I mean, this was Abraham's testimony that God would keep his promise of an heir through Sarah, an heir who would become a great nation to bless the whole earth. And as years lapsed into decades and neither Abraham nor Sarah were getting any younger, God called them to trust and believe. And God came through. And so today in our situation, we need to immerse ourselves in who God is, what he says, and put our full trust in him. We need to catch a clearer vision of God that propels our unbridled passion for his glory 
that energizes our faith. You know, our faith in Christ is not just for this life or for this world. God has an everlasting kingdom that is so much better than anything we can aspire to here. And it's worth asking, where is my focus, really? I mean, this world in which we live is in our face. It is so present, so pressing, so consequential. We certainly do live in this world. But has our heart's loyalty been reallocated to the fading glory of this life rather than the unending glory of Christ's eternal kingdom? Ray Ortland says, It will not do to put my faith in God while I keep my heart on this world. God will not underwrite my worldliness with his power. He never promised the soaring strength of eagles so I could go on grunting in the sty of Babylon. Some Christians live defeated lives because God allows them to. He will not support our carnality. But where is my heart, truly? To help picture this, Jonathan Edwards, great uh, congregational revivalist. Well, he was he was really a, a very uh, studied preacher, but uh, God brought revival through his uh, ministry. He wrote in his journal in 1723, I have been before God and have given myself all that I am and have to God, so that I am not in any respect my own. All I want out of my life, what I'll be happy to walk away with, is God and God alone. Whatever other gifts he gives me, I will enjoy with thanks to him and for his sake. But God is my salvation, and everything else in my existence will find its meaning in reference to God, or it will have no meaning for me at all. Again, something to ponder. And yet this is the testimony of the faithful throughout the ages. The psalmist writes in Psalm 73, 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Saul of Tarsus was the most promising, credentialed rabbi of his generation, when Jesus called him to a new life that would not supply him the status or accolades or comforts of the religious path that he was on. In fact, it would be a life of hardship, suffering, misunderstanding, and martyrdom. This very gifted, smart leader chose to put his faith in a crucified and risen Savior and spent the rest of his life spreading that good news, planting churches, and writing most of our New Testament, being hounded by opponents every step of the way. And at the end, Paul wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing, 2 Timothy 4. 
So since we have been raised with Christ, we seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 1-4. The you that appears with Christ when he returns in glory, that is the real you, the glorious you, who you are in Christ. And when we train our lives for that glorious goal, God, our God, raises us up from the depths of our griefs and difficulties. And what an inspiring picture of a soaring eagle with apparent effortlessness, effortless ease. The eagle mounts high into the sky. Those who wait on the Lord wait patiently and rest trustfully to live in confident, eager suspense, to live with attention of promises revealed but not yet fulfilled. It's waiting on tiptoe with eager longing, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, and pressing on toward the goal. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength or exchange their human strength that fails and keep putting on fresh strength, a divine strength, a transforming experience that equips us to run. And run refers to those times when life is especially demanding. To run as well as to walk and walk through the ordinariness of tedium. We will go from strength to strength as we return to God to be transformed by his strength that never fails. This is not simply willpower, but expectancy. We will not stumble for lack of strength, but rather be lifted up to reveal that God alone must be at work in a supernatural way. May that be true for each one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word of truth. Thank you for your precious promises and help us, Lord, to trust you more than we trust ourselves, to love you more than we love anything of this world, to submit all of that to you and to your eternal purposes for us in Christ. Help us to love you and your kingdom reign and to live for you more and more each day, to give ourselves fully to you and to know the strength that only comes from such a surrendered heart and life. God, we just pour out our hearts to you. We lay our burdens down and pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, free us from those things that distract us from what is your true call on our hearts and lives and help us give ourselves fully to you in pure devotion and love. Through Christ we pray and let the people of God say, Amen. And now may you walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God bless you. It's been good to be with you.